I said I would do a live stream if you guys got us to 5,000 subscribers. We, you did that, and we are doing this. This is the Shark Tank Live, and we're going to bring Dalen Flowers in in a minute. We're going to bring Derek Vandegriff in in a minute, and we're going to react to Ole Miss being number 10 in the inaugural college football playoff poll. But anyway, this is the Shark Tank Live on the Locked On Ole Miss channel. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day. And also I want to let you know the Rebels play the Texas A&M Aggies this weekend, Saturday at 11 a.m. Central Time. You can listen to David Kellum and the Rebels hometown crew as Ole Miss looks to continue their run. Catch every play on the Ole Miss hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on Channel 190 or on the SXM at Search Ole Miss Rebels. Today's episode is going to be brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That is $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Now, we're going to bring in Dalen Flowers and Derek Vandegriff. And, you know, I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty okay with the fact that Ole Miss got a number 10 ranking. It, It seems... The college football playoff committee, Derek, kind of got it right. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And again, this is the first one, right? So uh, they're they're going to change a lot as the year goes on. But yeah, give, given what they have in front of them, the data they have, uh, I, I think they did more or less get it right here. Uh, Ole Miss has a huge opportunity these next couple of weeks to jump up in those rankings. And uh, as long as we take care of business, then everything's in front of us at this point. Dalen, um, a, a number 10 ranking in the first college football playoff ranking. Ole Miss is higher than Penn State, a little bit lower than Oklahoma. The one thing that Ole Miss fans could complain about is the fact that their losses to Alabama and Oklahoma's losses to Kansas. Yeah, uh, I think another in- input on that would be we have two ranked wins this season against Tulane and LSU, and you know uh, Oklahoma's only ranked win is uh, against UT this year. Um, and you know the rest of their schedule, I wouldn't say it's been a, a easy schedule, but it's been a much more less tense of a schedule than our schedule has been. I think we have some really quality wins, other than the two ranked teams. We have a Georgia Tech team that has really kind of surged over the last couple of weeks. So our resume is really matching up with some of the the top tier teams in the country um so, but i'm not too upset with it um, I'm, I'm happy that we're in the top 10 of course we could have been up a spot higher I, i'm loving that we're in front of penn state but i'm pretty satisfied with it right now but a few question marks but it's the first one so we're just gonna keep doing what we can throughout the rest of the season keep uh inching up in that ranking Derek, what was the main surprise that you caught from these um college football rankings i'm gonna put these up in a sec so everybody can see them uh- yeah, I mean, kind of, kind of like y'all just talked about a little bit. I, I thought we would be higher than Oklahoma. Um, I, I know they beat Texas, and that's their big win, but kind of like Taylor just said, you know, we've got wins at home against LSU, went on the road and beat Tulane, who might be the best G5 team in the entire country. Obviously, Dillman Air Force right there back to back 24 and 25. Um, so I, I feel like we've got a pretty good resume or – 
lone loss being on the road against number eight Alabama now. Um, so I thought we would be up higher than Oklahoma, but you know, again, Texas with uh, Quinn Ewers being out, there's obviously chances for them to slide if their quarterback play isn't up to what they've seen so far this year. Uh, obviously, a team that's stacked with talent, so they they could just go on another run with next man up mentality, right? But uh, that's kind of my takeaway. I thought we would be somewhere around the nine range there ahead of Oklahoma. But again, overall, we've got everything in front of us. If we take care of our business, we're going to end up jumping Oklahoma and Texas in the long run anyway. Well, Dalen, if you look at it this weekend, Oklahoma plays Oklahoma State in the last edition of Bedlam. And you have to assume that Oklahoma State's going to be really up for that football game because of what it means. And Kansas State plays Texas. Both of those teams are immediately on upset alert, I think. Yeah, I do too. You know, Oklahoma State really hasn't had the the best year in terms of where they ex- wanted to be in terms of where the preseason expectations were. But I think they're also surging right now as well. And of course, it's going to be one of probably their last matchup with OU in God knows how long. Um, and I think they're really hungry to kind of go back in there and get another statement win. I think they are trying to still trying to find an identity, especially with all this college, you know, realignment after the next season. They want to go out with the with the bang going into their, their next season as well. Um, but UT, I think Kansas State is a really hungry team, but I think UT has still trying to find an identity, especially now with Quinn Ewers going down. How can they manage offense that they really haven't had trouble with all season long? And so I think one of the big things for Texas will be how do they manage late game situations with the new quarterback? You know, you can practice as much as you want to, um, and you can do as many in-game practices. Um, but when you get put in the real game and you get put in late game situations, you know, things are different, you know, different defensive schemes, different minds, uh, you know, things can collapse. So it, we'll see how it goes out. But right now, I think, you know, both teams are kind of on wary alert. You know, I wouldn't say it's a, uh, high stakes, but I think they're definitely knowing that they can't overlook this weekend for each team. Yes, absolutely. And if you look at the rankings, let's kind of go over this real quick. You have 25 Air Force, 24 Tulane, 23 Kansas State, who we mentioned plays Texas this week. Oklahoma State is in number 22. They play Oklahoma this week. Kansas, who just beat Oklahoma, is at 21. Man, they have a nice little Big 12 Mm -hmm. theme in the 21 through 25 range. Um, what y'all think that's okay? Do y'all like that? Any problems? I'm honestly surprised that Tulane is 24. Um, you know, their one losses, of course, to us. And then I don't think they've really had any problems with their schedule other than a, a late comeback against Memphis a couple weeks ago. But other than that, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that Tulane is 24. I, I, you know, I won't go too far into because you haven't got to USC yet, but I'm surprised USC is that high. Yeah. Yeah. I'm- I'm glad you brought that up first, Dalen, about USC because I was kind of surprised they were that high too. Uh, that I thought they were going to slide down closer towards the bottom of the top 25. Boy, they looked so far this year. Uh, but it, it, as far as the 21 through 25, I, I don't have a lot of problems with it. I think Oklahoma State and Tulane are the two best teams in that group of five, kind of piggybacking off what Dalen said a second ago with Bedlam coming up this weekend. Oklahoma State has really found themselves over the last several weeks. Oklahoma better watch out because I guarantee you this weekend means a hell of a lot more to Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy than it does to Oklahoma. Yeah. And they're really playing well right now. 
Yeah, and Dalen, you know, we were talking about USC and where they were. I think the Pac-12 might be fraudulent because a bad Colorado team ended up beating a bad TCU team when they thought it was a good TCU team. Yeah, and, you know, Colorado now in the late game situations, again, that I talked about with with Kansas State and and Texas, they're kind of seeing those problems, and they were kind of seeing a a, a true offensive identity problem, and I – think that's the same thing USC is dealing with, but on the defensive side of the ball. I just don't think their players have bought into what Alex Grinch has brought to the team. I don't think they're trusting in what he's doing, um, and I don't think there's enough confidence within the coordinator and the players in terms of this is the game plan, this is how we're going to execute it, and this is going to win us football games. I just don't think there is a good connection between uh, player and coach right now. And I think that has been, of course, one of the big, biggest struggles throughout Lincoln Riley's whole entire coaching career is can the defense get it done? Um, and I think that's kind of been the big question mark for them this year. Um, and, you know, even Caleb Williams hasn't, the offense hasn't looked too substantial over the last couple of weeks, you know? Um, and so they're, they're probably the biggest question mark right now. Honestly, I'm surprised that they made the 20, the top 25 at all. Um, especially at 20, but that's just my personal opinion. Um, but we'll see how it turns out for them. And then I think UCLA has kind of went up over the last couple of weeks. Utah is a is another question mark for me. I think they have a really good team, but I think inconsistency has kind of dealt with them this season. So it it can go either way, but I think USC is probably that, that top question mark for me right now. All right, whenever we get back, we're going to finish going through that. We're going to look at the inaugural, if their 12-team playoff was this year, we're going to look at how that is trending out. But right now, I do want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Score earlier this NFL season with FanDuel. It's America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet. If you win a $5 bet, you get $150 free on the house and bonus bets. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Also, college football season is here, and this season Locked On is kicking up our coverage with Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. Each Friday, Locked On will go live from 7 or 11 Eastern every Friday on every Locked On College YouTube channel. College Football Kickoff Live will cover playoff implications, the conference rivalry games, and go in-depth like only Locked On can, including night insight and analysis from our stable of college football hosts covering their team every day. Find Locked On College Football Kickoff Live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern on any Locked On College Football YouTube channel. You will not want to miss it. All right. Really interesting stuff. Like Texas A&M right now is a three-point dog, although the money is really coming up on Ole Miss at the moment. But we're going to talk about the next tier of games. And you had that nice little run of Pac-10 Pac-12 teams with USC, UCLA, um, Oregon State, Utah. All of them are around that 16 range. Tennessee is thrown in there at 17. Um, Derek, it just feels like they're just throwing the Pac-12 a bone. It's like, no, you're not completely wrong about what you thought the early part of the season. You have all these teams here, but these teams still have to beat each other up. Yeah, yeah. Look, the Pac-12, I think, is a good league. Now, I think it has certainly been overstated to this point, 
right at so so far in the season. Uh, Utah again piggybacking off what Jalen said. I think they were a flaw team. They're so bad offensively without Cam Rising. They've really missed him on that side of the ball. They're still a team that is an elite level type defense. They're really physical. They're going to beat you for four quarters at the line of scrimmage. Uh, but they don't have anything on the other side of the ball to really threaten you like some of these top teams can do. So uh, I, I think Utah's a little too high. And, you know, kind of, kind of like I said, the Pac-12 is just going to be one of those that are just going to eat each other alive. Now, Oregon State, I do think, is a really good team. They really run the ball well, play really good defense. And that's a really tough place to play up there in Corvallis. Uh, but all of these teams are going to end up playing each other, though, right? And, uh, you know, I know we're going to get to it later, but Oregon and Washington up there at five and six, they're going to have to come down and play some of these teams too, and that's where you're really going to see what the Pac-12 is made of when the top of the conference starts coming down a little bit, playing the you know upper middle tier, and 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 seeing how it all shakes out from there. You know, Dalen, uh, when you look at teams that Ole Miss might match up with in a bowl game, I see that Notre Dame team at 15, and that just looks like a potential. If Ole Miss can get through Texas A&M and get on that Orange Bowl track. It just feels like Notre Dame sitting right there, does it not? Yeah, it does. And I think that'll be a really fun matchup for us. I think Notre Dame has, has went up against some quality opponents this year, and that will also give us a run for our money throughout that bowl game. Um, but I think that'll be a really fun game. You know, they have found their identity late on in this season with some good quality ranked wins. Um, and I also think that they're in the moment where they believe they are one of the top teams in the country. And so uh, an opponent like us for them would be really staggering in terms of how they see themselves going into the next season um, in terms of how much talent do we have, bring it back, who do we think and compete against some of the top teams in the country. And I think that would be a good game for both squads in terms of where we, you know, matching up our talent, how do we compare ourselves for the next season going in? Yeah. And, and Derek, you know, this is where, the controversy comes into it because you have LSU at 14, you have Missouri at 12. Now Louisville's at 13. I do not understand that because they got boat, boat raced by Pitt. I think that is just kind of something that's going to happen for a little while. And they're the team that's going to fall down, but LSU and Missouri, LSU beat Missouri. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, they did, but, and, and Missouri's playing really well. It's not taking nothing away from them. I think that's, just as simple as them looking at LSU having two losses, albeit against what is now a number four Florida State team and then on the road against a top ten Ole Miss team as well, right? Uh, mm -hmm. We're going to look back by the end of this season and look at that LSU game in Oxford, and it's going to be one of the best wins on anybody's resume in the entire country because that LSU team is really good. They can score on anybody. Um the defensive lapses they've had, I don't think, are going to last all year long, not to the degree that we've seen so far this year. Uh, they, It's it's never lasted an entire season for them. I don't expect it to last an entire season this year. They've got dudes on that side of the ball. They're going to fix it. Kelly's a really good coach. So that LSU win, looking back on it, it's going to be one of the better wins in the entire country for us, I think. Uh, but as far as the Missouri versus LSU thing, I think it simply comes down to putting the – one loss Missouri team up ahead, or, or no, they have two losses against Kansas State too, right? And so yes. that's, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I forgot about the Kansas State loss. So, uh, but yeah, they're they're up there, maybe trying to to get a little better uh, 
ratings with Missouri-Georgia game, I guess, then coming up this weekend at 2.30 then for CBS. Yeah, and we'll just look at the um, top six real quick, Dalen. You know, you have Oregon at six, Washington at five, which those two have already played. Washington won the game. I think Washington has USC. I think USC is fraudulent, but I do think Washington's on upset alert. They've kind of skated by the last couple of weeks. Florida State's pretty good. Michigan, who knows how this is going to go, but we'll we'll, we'll see how it goes indeed. Uh, Georgia, Ohio State. You know, it's going to be something else indeed. Um, I'm really interested to see how this goes. Now, we're going to bring in Josh Guest um, because we have a ton of people on this show. And Josh is joining us. Um, he is, may the force be with you. Nice. Um, very Star Wars. Hey, we're in the same hat. You got to change, buddy. Uh, so, Josh, we're talking about the playoff rankings. What's your initial thoughts? Um, if Alabama played Kansas a hundred times, Alabama wins 101 times, but yet Kansas beat Oklahoma and they're ahead of Ole Miss who lost to Alabama. Anyway, yeah. sorry. I might be bitter. Well, o- Oklahoma has Oklahoma state. They're on upset alert. Texas has Kansas state without Quinn Ewers. They're on upset alert. Um, and then you have the PAC 12 teams that are going to start to cannibalize themselves. The fact of the matter is, if, this, if you want to see and just look at this ranking with Ole Miss being at 10th, if Ole Miss wins out, which, I mean, that's four games, if they do that, whether they go to Atlanta or not, they're going to be right on the cusp and in the discussion for the four spot, period. Derek? Uh, yeah, again, uh, you know, we've got everything headed back. That, this weekend is so big for us, right, this Texas A&M game. Um, me and Hitch actually got done recording a little bit earlier today about this game. One of the bigger things that, that I'm looking for is the turnover battle and the line of scrimmages, right? But if you get past this, then you go into Athens next week. And, you know, we're we're allowed to look ahead because we're not playing the games, right? So we, mm-hmm. we can say if something happens this week, then next week this could be part of it. And that's what next week would end up being by the time we get to Athens. If we get this win against Texas A&M, and then you're looking at, you know, one of the bigger games in certainly recent Ole Miss history going into Athens next week. Because if you get past them, all you got is UL Monroe and then this lowly Mississippi State team at the end of the year. You get to 11-1 and one and, you know, a few things fall your way. And kind of like Stephen said, you're going to be pushing for that fourth spot to try to get into the playoff. I do think we need some help to get there, some, some teams to get knocked off. But if you look at an Ole Miss resume with wins against ranked two-lane team on the road, the LSU game at home, going to Athens, A&M at home, uh, you know, those are going to be four quality wins on your resume that, you know, quite frankly, probably a lot of teams aren't going to have, especially with that big feather in your cap in Athens, because that's a place they haven't lost since 2018, I think, if I have that right. I mean, it's been forever since they've lost there, so. That would be a huge win for us, obviously. But first things first, get past Jimbo and the Aggies at 11 o'clock this uh, this Saturday. Uh, take care of business and then get your butt back to the IPF and start working your tail off to get ready for Kirby Smart and the Bulldogs next weekend. 
Yeah, and we're going to, um, whenever we come back from the break, we're going to look at the 12-team playoff, if it existed this year, where Ole Miss would sit in that, and there's cool matchups on that. And we're going to start talking a little bit about Texas A&M. Um, I've got some pretty cool stats. We'll talk about the Texas A&M front seven, because that's a major story. The Ole Miss front seven, it's no slouch themselves. But I do want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers to roof racks to exhaust kits, LED highlights, headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find what you're looking for. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning, burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need, with all the parts you need, um, you're going to keep your ride alive. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay's guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. Also, I do want to let everybody know that this game is going to be on at 11 a.m. Central Time. It's a chance to listen to David Kellum and the Rebels' hometown crew as Ole Miss looks to continue their run. Catch every play of the Rebels' home team broadcast with SiriusXM on Channel 190 or on the SXM app searching Ole Miss Rebels. The Locked On Ole Miss podcast is on the XSXM app as well. So, you know... Let's look at the 12-team playoff, guys. You look over there, you got Ole Miss coming in at number 10 at, with a match in Austin against the Texas Longhorns in the Georgia Bulldogs bracket. What do you think about that, Josh? Sorry, I'm unmuting. My, my son was making supper in here. Um, the Longhorns, I like it. Uh, I don't like being next to Georgia there, especially uh, playing them in a couple of weeks. If we were to uh, – have to repeat that game. I don't think I like the chances there very much. But, um, you know, Texas is good. They beat Bama, but then they lost Oklahoma. Uh, I'd like our chances. I say let's take it and roll with it. Dalen, the weakest bracket out there, in my opinion, Oregon, Penn State, and Florida State's bracket for the Orange Bowl. Yeah, I think, you know, Florida State, don't discredit them at all. I think they're a really good football team, but they've had a, a fairly easy schedule other than that LSU game uh, the first week of the season, and they're going to have a pretty simple schedule throughout the end of the season this season, and I think they'll finish undefeated and get in that top four. Uh, and I think, you know, Penn State is uh, really one of the best defensive teams in the country, but they have not really found any offensive rhythm or identity. Um, and I also don't think, you know, over the years of James Franklin being at Penn State, he really, you know, can't find consistency in beating big teams. Um, he, you know, he's had a lot of ranked matchup opponents, and I don't think he's really found the consistency in continuing to beat really good teams in front of them. Now, I think Oregon is uh, one of the hottest teams in the country right now. I know they're, you know, still a one-loss team against Washington, but I think they are one of the most dangerous teams to play right now. I think Dan Lanning has – found that confidence and swagger for his for himself and his team. And I think his players are riding on the back of him for that. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably one of the the the, the most, you know, disc inconsistent and weakest, you know, brackets that I'm looking at right now. I think other teams have more quality just all around. And I think that kind of bounces them out of every other bracket. 
You know, Dids, um, if you look at the Michigan bracket with Washington and Tulane, I think Michigan would be on a little bit of upset alert in that game. Yeah, yeah, I would too, uh, you know, especially if Jim Harbaugh, Harbaugh didn't know the signs going into it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. This this Tulane team can, can really jump on you in a hurry, especially with Michael Pratt back there at quarterback, right? He's an incredible player back there, makes all the right decisions and makes a ton of plays and, you know, when you hear people talk about Tulane, they don't get enough credit for their front four. I was really impressed with their defensive line when we played them earlier in the year. They uh, caused a lot of havoc. They they won battles that you didn't expect them to win, and they held their own against an SEC team there. So uh, with Michigan, though, they're they're so good defensively that it's it kind of makes you wonder if, if Tulane would be able – to score enough to be able to beat them on top of how physical they are. And even if they did, I I would love to see a Washington-Michigan game right there just from the standpoint of seeing Michael Penix go up against that Michigan defense. Because he's been incredible this year. Nobody's been able to stop him. And, uh, you know, if Michigan wasn't able to, then uh, there's probably nobody in the country that could as good as they've been on defense. But, yeah, that, that would definitely be an interesting matchup, Michigan and Tulane. I think this is one thing that makes this 12-team playoff so intriguing when we get to it next year to see those kind of matchups because it's something you don't really get a chance to see anymore, right? You know, you got Tulane and USC last year, but it not being a playoff game, you got guys sitting out for USC and all of that. And uh, these, these group of five teams, when they see a power five team on the other side of the field, and you put stakes like this up against it, uh, you get the absolute very best effort out of them. And I would love to see how that would play out. Yeah, and the last region of this one is um, the Ohio State region. And th- this is the one I consider is like, hey, blue blood programs, mm-hmm. um, very, very talented teams, but they're not really doing at the level that we're expecting them to do it. So they would be, I think, the underdog for whoever wins the Washington regional. And then you have Georgia and Florida State. I think whoever wins that Georgia-Florida State game would be the favor to win it all, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually would be whoever won the uh, Ole Miss-Florida State game. Oh, that's right, that's Texas. right. Texas, yeah, because mm. you know, we, we had such a good time down in Austin last time we were there. We'd go ahead and repeat that and, you know, just go beat Georgia for a second time and just walk your way to a national championship. It's easy, Steve. All right, so let's turn the page real quick before we get out of here tonight um and talk about the texas a&m Ole Miss game because you know might as well we're going we have you all here um dids what i haven't heard your thoughts on this game what are you thinking yeah. about uh well this is uh you know texas a&m's obviously really talented up front i know you've talked about it until you're probably blue in the face so far this week how good they are um yeah there there you go number one in sacks well number two is the old miss rebels uh, I, I was looking at sacks allowed going into this week, and Ole Miss and A&M are right there together. It's uh, A&M's allowed 17. We've allowed 19, both a little over two per game. Now, these are two defensive lines that are just going to absolutely get after you. One thing that we have in our favor is the turnover. We were really good at forcing turnovers. We forced 13 so far this year. A&M's only forced seven. And we as an offense, we don't give you the ball, right? You're going to stop us at least three times. And then if you're lucky, we might punt it to you. So we're, we're not going to give away possessions. That's one thing I think that we can do in this game. 
we can take positions away from him. Max, jo Max Johnson has been fine. He hasn't been a, a game changer by any stretch of the imagination. I think we come in here, we load the box, uh, take away their run game. I think that's what they'll try to establish first and foremost coming into this. And uh, one thing that I thought was pretty interesting when I started looking into it, if this is a close game, which I do anticipate it being a fairly close game, A&M is 13th in the SEC in field goal percentage. They're, they've only hit 72% of their field goals. And ask me how I know how big a field goal kicker can be in an SEC West matchup in Vault Hemingway Stadium. Okay? I know. So that's something that I'll look at as well. So um, this is going to be a defensive battle, though. I think both of these defenses are going to get after the quarterbacks. And this is going to be a game of Lane Kiffin and Charlie Weiss scheming a way to help their offensive line out a little bit and try to get the run game going early to open things up on the back end to try to hit those big plays to Trey Harris, Jordan Watkins, Dayton Wade, who's been so huge for us too. You know, Dalen, um, he just mentioned those wide receivers. Um, I think it's important to this game because the Ole Miss offensive line is a little bit better than A&M's um, offensive line. So A&M's defensive line is a little bit better than Ole Miss's defensive line. So at the end, I think it's kind of a wash. So it's going to come down to a quarterback competition, in my opinion. And I'm going to take Jackson Dart over Max Johnson right now. Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, Dart is coming – into this weekend after the Vandy weekend, um, with a little bit of hunger in his in his mind, I think you know he he's been well with taking accountability after games this year, and I think he's kind of looking to be a little bit more hungry after the Vandy game. I think he wanted to do more than he did this past weekend, and I think one of the biggest keys for us in terms of our offense and Dart is going to be the use of Caden Prescorn. I think this kid is can be really be the catalyst of our offense and can really allow our offense to be opened up more, especially in the red zone. I think he will be a key factor in us scoring some red zone touchdowns as well. And I think that's something that we need to utilize more is him in the red zone. But I think if we can find a consistent pattern with him and pre-scoring, um, then we will be really an offense that can really be hard to stop in terms of, you know, point A to point B on the field. Um, but I think if we could find some rhythm with that, not even just using him as a as a receiver, but using him in the red zone as, as, a, as a run blocker. You know, I think the kid is – if you see him on the field, he's towering over, you know, corner safeties and some linebackers as well. I mean, I don't know Kane's exact height and weight, but the kid is is a huge dude. Um, and I think if we utilize him correctly, you know, that can really open up some things for not even him, but the rest of our wide receivers as well. You know, Josh, um, our wide receivers, Dalen just mentioned it, like the Jordan Watkins, the Dayton Wade. Um, Dayton Wade actually did a really funny job in the press conference this week of walking us through his long head. And whenever you see that and that energy and Jordan Watkins, the way he just wants it, and he, he went to Lane Kiffin and was like, hey, I'm playing against Auburn. And they threw passes in the ballroom at the hotel to prove that Jordan Watkins can catch. Trey Harris is getting healthy. Caden Prescorn is getting healthy. Ole Miss has weapons offensively that they didn't necessarily have the first half of the season, Josh. Well, and, and the other thing, you you talk about uh, Wade, uh, yeah, right there. I mean, he, just his attitude on next man up and, um, you know, uh, the catches he's made. I mean, he's made two sports center top ten catches this year. Um, and am I – is he not a walk-on? Well, he was a walk-on. He got um, a scholarship. Yeah, a scholarship now. Okay. Yeah, of course, yeah, they, they should have, he should have one. Um, you know, 
in this weekend, you know, look, I did look at the stats too. I'm, I'm a numbers guy being a, a, a math teacher and um, they don't have anybody like Juckins on their, in their backfield. Uh, they got two running backs that are similar to Bentley. And uh, then our receiving core, I think we have three guys. They got two around the same spot. Um, but just looking at uh, what I think is going to happen, I think the I think Vegas has put too many points on our game total. I think 50-something is way too many. Uh, I actually, with the way uh, Pete Golding is, is calling our defense, unless they score some defensive touchdowns, which they have one on the season, we have none. Uh, I think if we get to 14, I'm feeling pretty good about the game. And if we get to, if we get to 21, it's over. I just don't think they're going to score 20 points against us. And I may be wrong. Uh, and on the season, by the way, Ole Miss has given up five and a half, roughly five and a half a quarter. The first quarter being the lowest and the other three quarters almost all the same number of points. So they're all very, very close to a little over five points per quarter. So, um, you know, the fourth quarters would be less if it weren't for garbage touchdowns. So Golding's defense gets better within the game. And I, I, I like you said, if it goes to – Quarterback versus quarterback, and nothing against Max Johnson. He just can't hold a candle to Jackson Dart. And so, uh, again, we get to 14. I'm feeling pretty good. We get to 21, and I'm like, let's 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 pack it in, boys. Uh, you know, don't don't quit, don't quit playing. But I just I don't see where they're going to score that many points. I'm not sure we're going to score enough either to get the total of 50. I think what, when it came out, what was it, like 29, 25, 30, 24, something like that. And I just I don't see us getting to 30. But they, I don't definitely don't see them getting to 24. And I may eat those words, but yeah. uh, in Pete Golding, I trust. You know, um, before we get out of here, and I'm not going to ask you guys to pick the game because y'all pick games in different platforms anyway, but Mike Dettelier was on the Bo Bounds show this morning. I know Ole Miss fans think about Bo Bounds. And, oh, here we go, Bo Bounds. But Mike Dettelier had an interesting point today about Jackson Dart. And he said that if Jackson Dart comes back for his senior year, and comes back, he has a chance to be the number one player taken in the NFL draft. If he goes right now, he's probably a third or a fourth round pick. Yeah. And I think that is something we need to keep an eye on moving forward, honestly. Josh. I, I hope he comes back. I mean, I already told you I'll be giddy like a little teenager going crazy if he comes back because he's only going to get better. And I think – that that is a very true statement. He has a chance to go number one. And that the money difference in number one versus pretty much anything else for that matter. Uh, I mean, first round's good, but from where he's at now to that, and he's gonna. I think if if we keep winning, if he keeps playing well, he's gonna move up. Mm. Also, the other thing about Dart that we've seen, uh, and, and you mentioned it, every time a question is asked, he answers. Yeah. And when the big moments step up, um, he shows up, and so. I just expect him to show up. I ex at this point, I'm tell I just talked about it. I expect the defense to be what the defense is, and that's getting better. And and uh, if I was anybody on the schedule for Ole Miss right now, I would be shaking in my boots at our defense. Uh, not because we have more sacks than A and M, or not because whatever, but because Pete Golding's our defensive coordinator, and I would know that we're in trouble if I'm the other team. We're we're just simply in trouble. Yeah, and an interesting thing before we get out of here. There's the over-under at 53-and-a-half. The line's at three points, and it, it opened at four-and-a-half, and it came down immediately because somebody put a ton of money on Texas A&M, 
And they just kept dropping the line to get people, Ole Miss people to bet on. And it's going to go up now because I think like 70% of the money is on Ole Miss. But at the mo- at, whenever it first came out, it was like 82% of the bets and is on Ole Miss and like 67% of the money was on A&M because somebody yeah. just dropped a ton of money on them. Yeah, yeah, and it absolutely worked because uh, I've been keeping an eye on it all week. It got down to uh, three like you just saw, and I jumped on it yesterday as soon as I saw that. Uh, kind of agree with Josh, though. The the total's way too high. I don't see this getting into the 50s. I think this is probably at best a mid to high 40s game total-wise. I think the Rebels do end up winning this. Uh, but but talking about Jackson Dart like you were a second ago, Stephen, I, I think it is in his best interest to come back for another year, and I think it kind of speaks volumes to this quarterback class as a whole coming out of college right now, too. It's a super deep class, a lot of really talented guys. Um, but come back, lead this old Miss team. This is a team that is absolutely next year. You know, 2024 is the year we've been eyeing, right, for, for all of these young kids to grow up to make mm-hmm. this playoff run. And here we are a year early kind of trying to push for it in the 14, but certainly next year when it expands to 12, uh, I, I think he can have an incredible year, third year in the system. Uh, you know, we we talked about it ad nauseum between him and Matt Corral, one first year to second year, and you've seen that jump to Jackson, and I think you'll see it again into year three if he were to come back, and I think he'd have an incredible year and, and have a chance to be the first quarterback off the board or at least one of them if he waited one more. Yeah, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in. And also, thank you, everyone, for subscribing and getting us up for over 5,000 subscribers so we do the Shark Tank Live as well. Please subscribe to the channel if you have not. If you have, tell a friend. And if you listen to the podcast on some other medium, subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. We'd appreciate that once we hit the 6,000 remote broadcast. So if we hit the 6,000 before the ball game. There's a chance I'm at the Citrus Bowl or the Orange Bowl or something like that doing the show. And at 7,000, we're going to try and figure out how to do a call-in show so you can have your say as well. So that should be a whole lot of fun. But I do want to say thank you to all four of y'all for joining the show. Um, I hope y'all can come back more often. Um, Kind of a fun thing in this little platform. I'm trying to figure out how to schedule this. So um, thank you so much for um, showing up this week. And Josh, Dids, Dalen Flowers joining the show. Dalen, obviously, everybody knows because he's on our Monday night show. And Josh does our pregame show and on Thursdays. And then Dids comes during baseball season. And uh, and you can catch his you can catch his motion on the SEC After Dark YouTube channel where um Dids in the dugout is on there. He's got a nice Texas AM preview up there right now as well. But thank you all very much, and we will see you guys um, next week. And everybody take care, and hotty toddy. Hotty toddy. Hotty toddy, y'all. Hotty toddy.